Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. Today, we're going to be talking to Haim Mazal, who is the SVP of Technology and the VP of Security Information and CISO at Kanji. Kanji is an Apple device um, management solution. And uh, we're going to be talking with Haim about you know, the current threat landscape, uh, best practices for CISOs, and probably some other things. But first off, let's say hi to Haim. Haim, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Uh, well, thank you for taking time to, to join us. Where Whereabouts are you? I'm located in Chicago. Chicago? So uh, did you guys get summer yet? Because we haven't out here. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> We're we're about three and a half days in, so so far so far so good. Uh, All right, we're 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 we had the wettest May on record, and and we're on track for the wettest June on record. So um, it's not a not a good time. Well, you know, some people like the rain, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm I'm not one of them. So <laughs> uh, yeah, me neither. Um, so hey, why don't you um. Give us give us a little uh, background in terms of your role, because, you know, when we talk about CISOs, uh, some, some CISOs are really focused on the company security, some or more on the product or platform security. Where, where, where do you sit? Totally. Um, so I'm extremely focused uh, in general. I have been throughout my career uh, on engineering and it's building in. Uh, security solutions uh, to to the product, but also while securing the organization. So I think I, I took some of those experiences when I came on to Kanji, uh, and I said, you know, they they, they brought me on to, to be the CISO and secure the actual organization. Um, but you know, after having conversations and working very closely alongside the engineering org, they asked me to actually take over engineering. Uh, before I was at Kanji, I was at Active Campaign. Uh, and I worked alongside the CTO there, Tony Newcomb, and I helped build security products within the platform to help enable our customers to better secure uh, their PII and, and their uh, information. Um, so having some of those exper- that experience of you know generally leading engineering teams and uh, creating security product as well as securing the organization uh, it seemed like a, a optimal fit at Kanji. So we're building out uh, some incredible tooling uh, for uh, endpoint device management as well as uh, you know helping to secure endpoint device management uh, as well as building out a, a cutting edge security program to best safeguard you know our, our customers our customers data so. Well, definitely want to talk about your MDM solution um, here in a bit. Uh, but before, let me ask you, you know, what do you think is more challenging, uh, securing or acting as a CISO for the company environment versus product? Um, I think they both present two unique sets of challenges. Um, obviously, making sure that uh, you're ahead of the curve and you have complete and total visibility over uh, your assets and uh, you know your organization uh, is paramount to being successful as a CISO in, in order to secure your organization, um, right? And also, you know, building security product uh, has its own unique set of challenges, uh, but doing both simultaneously uh, is is is, pre- is pretty difficult. So I'm extremely fortunate that uh, I've been able to build and hire a world-class security team here at Kanji uh, and really have some extraordinary, um, uh, you know, individuals alongside me, people like, you know, uh, you know, Dom Lombardi, who came uh, from from Clavio. You know, I have people like Gordon Young, who was previously at, at Postmates. We have like top tier talent that is effectively, uh, you know, helping, you know, curate and build out a world class security program. Um, but I think um, product is fun, 
securing the organization uh, is 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 also fun, but takes a, a, a much greater amount of detail. You, you can't be asleep behind the wheel. So can you can you, can you give us some examples in terms of the differences? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll start with 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 product. So product, right? It's thinking about uh, innovation. It's thinking about the future. It's thinking about the direction and trend within the industry. You're really thinking about customer problems and how you're going to, you know, uh, provide and you know innovate solutions around them in the long term. So it's really thinking about where the industry is today, right? Uh, problems and how they're presenting themselves and like long-term solutions for you to solve. Uh, when you're thinking about the actual, uh, you know, organization that you're securing, uh, you're watching things evolve uh, in in real time, second by second, minute by minute. So you know your threat intel feeds, uh, you know, uh, introduction of asset, your evolving landscape. Those are things that are like, you know, a a a constant pulse. So the ability for you to stay on top of your organization as it continues to scale and grow and at, 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 at a high rate. Uh, requires much, much more attention to detail. So I think the the product obviously has a lot of attention to detail, uh, but a lot of it is like very forward thinking, very, you know, like, you know, anticipating the direction. Um, and, you know, uh, I think most CISOs who are securing an organization uh, would only hope to be in that, in that, in that, uh, you know, that space where they can anticipate instead of, you know, uh, uh, unfortunately being, being, um, you know, dealing things retroactively. Uh, it's very, it's very hard uh, to be able to secure a high growth organization uh, at speed while being able to enable uh, the business units to be successful uh, for the innovation. Um, but yeah, so so one one is a lot of thought leadership, and the other one is a lot of practical hands on deck, nose to the grindstone, uh, making minute by minute, play by play decisions. It's funny, I, I've been approached from time to time um, with, you know, CISO opportunities and like, hey, we, you know, we think you'd be great for this role. And I'd like, no, I, I wouldn't be because I want to sleep at night. <laughs> and uh, and I'm 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 a person who tends to to to, to, to worry about stuff like my job <laughs> or the company's future. You know what I mean? So so um, there's just there just seems to be a lot of now I know I, I'm sure you feel really good about, you know, the work you're doing. But for me, there seems to be a lot of potential downside compared to the potential upside because, you know, you you do your job things go on day to day and people are like yeah okay well you know everything looks like it's working but if you don't do your job you know the the noise to like calm ratio is just huge right so um i total hats off respect for you uh for doing that let me ask you um on the on the company side what are your major concerns or in terms of threat vectors and things that you need to you know hey we, we've got to check this box and we got to be aware of these things Absolutely. I think something that's on most CISOs' minds, just because of the general landscape and the trends that we've seen uh, over the last couple of years or so since the beginning of the pandemic, has really been around the supply chain, right? Really being able to hammer down and validate, um, you know, how you're pulling in technologies into your organization, uh, the potential glass radius and impact they may have, uh, and how you go ahead and provide an additional layer of, of comfort to the business, knowing that you've made that decision, uh, right, with um, with risk in mind right it's very easy to want to use the latest and greatest technologies it's very you know easy to go ahead and want to pull in you know certain open source software packages because guess what the development team wants to do that and that's how we're going to win uh, but being able to provide you know guardrails and a framework around how we make those decisions so they're repeatable and it's not subjective i think is something that's extremely critical and important in today's day and age um you know so from 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 my perspective making sure that who you do business with 
uh, right, is just as important as you actively locking down uh, your resources and assets uh, on behalf of your customers. So, so, so how do you do that? I mean, you know, you could say, hey, this company, they've got a good name. They've got, I mean, how do you, I mean, you must have to kind of peek under the hood and do some type of evaluation, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's evolved a little bit more than in in in, in days past. It used to be like, hey, can we see a stock two type two report? You have ISO 27001 and you get the reports and, you know, maybe you'd have an analyst, you know, come over it real quick and be like, okay, this is, this is great. Thumbs up. I think there's a lot more scrutiny applied. So now within these frameworks, with these in compliance, um, you know, uh, you're really having to look at certain subsets of information, like who are the subservice, you know, uh, you know, organizations that your that your vendors are using, right? Like, what are their implications? What happens, you know, if something were to go wrong with one of their service providers, right? Even from uh, a business continuity standpoint, but effectively from a breach, like who who is that third and fourth party who might potentially be impacted via customer PII? Right, all of these things are extremely instrumental to think about. And then also, when you're when you're able to present that full picture, um, right, to be able to put it in a in a risk matrix and have detailed conversations with your team around, like, hey, maybe this isn't the best solution. Maybe there's an alternative provider that gets us 90% of the way there, and maybe they have a little bit more scrutiny that's going to better safeguard our customers and data. I think that's how people are choosing vendors. Uh, uh, in this day and age, it's not just necessarily like, hey, this is the leader in the space. This is the brand. Like if you're not doing things to safeguard your supply chain and it potentially puts our customers at risk, that's a no go for us. OK, I think that's a really good observation there. Let me um, let me ask you about the I guess just the the, the human vector um, in terms of, you know, the people clicking on malware, uh, phishing emails, et cetera. What do you do to make sure your people are aware of what they should be doing and shouldn't be doing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a big thing that I've I believed in from from very early on, and it led from a couple negative experiences, um, you know, in, in 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 my career as being part of a security team that went about things the wrong way, uh, is really through education and through. Um, through 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 positive reinforcement and building security as a culture, uh, I'm I, I you know some people are going to disagree with me, but I'm not a huge fan of like you know sending out phishing campaigns and then you know forcing required training for individuals who click on things two three four times right and so on and so forth. It's really about uh, making security part of everyone's responsibility. And how do you do that? It starts from the top down as part of a culture, right? I'm very fortunate and lucky at, at Kanji. You know, uh, obviously security is top of mind for our, our, our CEO, our CPO, you know, our, our um, you know, the entire executive leadership team. So it's something that's part of our talk track. It's something that, you know, we we actively express, you know, from the top down, uh, providing, you know, unique training and then also supplementing our IT and security teams uh, with the appropriate tooling uh, to be able to have, you know, eyes on eyes on deck and have the appropriate visibility. And then when we start seeing trends to start sending out proactive emails right to our internal and to our, our internal users and saying like, hey, these are some things we're seeing. We're seeing it from this area. It's like, hey, we, we went ahead and we've mitigated this risk for you on your behalf. But if you see something in the future, please like, you know, uh, call it out in public channels. Like, let's discuss it. Let's make it a part of, you know, all of our responsibility here uh, at Conjure. It's been very successful so far. So again, having, you know, secure email gateways and things like that are great, but really having people to socialize, to message what we're seeing that traffic and really to, to make it part of our, our organizational culture uh, has been instrumental. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because there's still a lot of organizations where 
uh, your average person or you know, just assumes that there's a guy somewhere in the IT department who's going to keep the company safe and security is not really my job. I'll just, you know, and and then there are organizations that they, 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 they'll, they'll do the requisite training once in a while and people are like, OK, I get it. But there are other organizations where they say, you know what, security profitability. It's at the end of the day, it's everybody's responsibility. Our reputation, it's everybody's responsibility. And I would go on to argue that um, as, even as individuals and consumers in, in, the, in the world that we live in, security is your responsibility. You know, I mean, I have my, my children, they are, you know, digital natives and they, they, they come to me with all kinds of stuff. Like, look at this, look at this scam. <laughs> look at this, you know, I mean, they're hyper aware of this. Um, and so I, I think that that's, I mean, it's unfortunate that we have to be, but it's definitely something that we 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 need to work towards. So, um, I, I it's great to hear that that you guys are, have that kind of culture. Um, let me let me ask you, um, in terms of MDM solutions or uh, uh, mobile device management solutions, and and I know you're focused on Apple devices, but in general, what are some what what are some key like must-haves? and then some future trends for feature um, in, in development. Yeah, so I think um, I think one one touch deployments like as we go ahead and uh, you know we we have remote and hybrid work and we're watching you know organizations expand globally. Uh, it's super important for IT teams and for security teams to be able to get the appropriate devices to the appropriate team members and allow them to have everything they need up front, day one, minute one. Right? I open up my laptop, I automatically have my credentials populated. I'm asked to go ahead and reset my credentials. I'm asked to go ahead and integrate with my my company's SSO, and then boom, I automatically have my profile that's aligned to my business unit right at work, whether I'm in finance, right? Whether I'm in technology, whether I'm in, uh, you know, the people organization, I have everything I need to be successful on my day to day. And it all just works behind the scenes. And I don't have to, you know, have any, you know, uh, in-depth detail and insight to how that happens. I don't have to have ping the IT team. I don't have to ask security like, hey, do I have all my permissions set? Uh, and then on the inverse of that, the IT team and the security teams, they need this to work out of the box. Right, so they can focus on the more important part of their job, and that is serving internal consumers and making sure that we can show uh, a downtrend uh, in, in in threats across the organization. So I know, you know, historically, help desk has been like a huge part of organizations, right? Uh, but our 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 idea here, I think, for MDM in general, right, is to make it as low touch as possible, so it just works. It just works out of the box. And at um, at Kanji, we believe doing that through automation and orchestration, uh, and you know, being able to have workflows that make it very, very easy for IT professionals and security professionals to be able to deploy, uh, you know, um, management to devices and get real-time telemetry and feedback that will allow them to better make decisions on how to uh, deploy and safeguard their fleet going forward. The, the one-touch deployment is is awesome and it's huge. Uh, I mean, there are. It wasn't very long ago that everybody would they would you know um, provision a a device would go to the IT team and they would sit on it for three or four hours or however long it took and you'd be you know pulling your hair out waiting for the darn thing to get ready, and it was just taking up so much time and and there's the every time you do something manually there's an opportunity for human error as well right so <laughs> it's a, it's amazing there's still I think it, you know because. 
I, I've spent like 20 years off and on in Asia. In the U.S., I think with, with most large organizations, they have some type of uh, MDM solution that allows them to get that service. But there are a lot of still SMBs, uh, SMEs um, out there that are still doing it the manual way or they're outsourcing it to their local IT support company that is maybe doing it manually or maybe has some kind of solution. But overseas, um, I'm spe talking specifically about like Japan, Korea, um, it's still a lot, a, a, a kind of a high touch process. Um, so there's is huge, huge upside, I think, in terms of, you know, time saving and everything. Um, what other uh, types of features like should, should if, if you're in the market for an MDM solution, should you be looking at? Yeah, I think, um... I think one, it's really that comprehensive, uh, that comprehensive package, the totality, and I think that's what uh, what you alluded to a little bit, like the compliance aspect, making sure that you can have standardized configurations across unique work, unique working groups uh, for organizations is is essential. You have to have that, right? You also have to be able to have uh, that those unique data sets uh, that essentially, you know, let your IT team and your security team know how devices are being, you know, operated, how they're being utilized, uh, let you track improvements across, like how you go ahead and, you know, so give me some examples of the, of, of the signal or the, te the telemetry that you're looking at. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, um, one of the unique things that we have in country is we have something called library items. So library items is essentially a suite and catalog of applications that you can go ahead and assign to different blueprints. Blueprints are what we call our, our templates for different business groups, right? So you can go ahead and track usage over certain blueprints, right? Uh, active uh, user groups and what, um, what actual um, software they're using as a whole, and then it'll help you iterate against your process. So if you see that there's a, a suite of software that's being regularly used across your finance department, and you're not pre-configuring it and deploying it across that suite of assets, you can go ahead and proactively do that going forward and making sure that every time you onboard a new individual, that they already have the suite of software and it's what they need. And you can also do that with excluding things too. If you have sets of software that you believe is being used by certain parts of the organization, maybe it's not great. So you can go ahead and exclude those as well. Um, I think other unique things that you can see is, um, you know, effectively, um, we have something called auto apps, which allows you to deploy instantaneously and manage versioning of major applications that you use, right? So uh, effectively, if you know that everyone is using Zoom, right? And Zoom has updates and there might be security updates and patching implications, you can set up on a cadence that every time there's a new major version release that through auto apps, you go ahead and deploy that unique set of, uh, of, of functionality or, you know, to your different devices. Um, and a lot of things, again, that we're seeing also, uh, too, across, across the general board is, you know, how the IT teams uh, can make improvements, you know, slowly and iteratively so it can be as, as low touch as possible. You don't want people requesting software. You don't want people asking you to update configurations. So the way that you have the ability to look at the pieces, move across the board proactively, allows you to go ahead and make long-term decisions that automate right all of those outcomes for your team on a consistent basis so i think like having all of these unique data sets of how people are using devices what software they're using you know things that they need to be successful and allow you to automate and orchestrate all of those outcomes is very important too and we also have you know certain things that we see about uh alongside the security aspect too as far as uh as far as data right um we have a very we have a, a lot of interesting things in, in the works right now i don't want to let the, the cat out of the bag um, but we oh, come on, man. We believe uh, that there's a series and sequence of 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 of, of pillars 
that allow end users and allow uh, IT teams and security professionals uh, to be successful as far as the administration and moderation and creating a comprehensive picture uh, around uh, their assets and their fleets. Uh, and it's something that we're working very hard uh, on currently. And it's um, it's it's in the works. We're going to have some big conversations. Around we'll, ha here. we'll have to have you back on uh, maybe Absolutely. a few months down the road. So um, let me ask you this in terms of BYO devices, yeah. you know, what what can you do and what can't you do? Yeah, so I think it's up to the organization. I think there's a lot of great tools now that effectively allow people to do BYOD if they want to and provide uh, that provide a lot of safeguards around an organization. Um, we see a lot of stuff with zero trust, right? Like, can you use your own device? You can have your own cert. And guess what? You want to use your things and you want to authenticate to the network and you want to use uh, SSO and you want to have least privilege access. Like, we can do that. We can, we can facilitate things. It used to be no, right? Like, the answer was no uniformly across the board. Like, you can't bring your stuff, right? If it's not an approved device, it's not going to happen. Uh, and now there's a lot of companies who, you know, approach things differently. Like, if you have your own device, we can onboard it without actively managing it and feel very comfortable 99.9% .9 of the way and it allows organizations to have flexibility. Um, and then, you know, there's the the other point of like, hey, you know what, we're not going to allow you to bring your own laptop. We're going to have cert based, you know, authentication. But if you want to use your device for a certain segment of, you know, SSO authenticated apps where you have FMFA, like we, we feel good about that. That's OK. And these things, you know, might be uh, cloud hosted and based apps. But it's not going to be things uh, that are going to lead to uh, production environments or customer data or things like that. Um, so I think there's, you know, uh, there's diagrams of like, you know, data classification models. How comfortable would we feel giving what level of access where? Um, and I think that that's been a huge trend that we've seen in the security industry, you know, over the last, you know, five years is that it's yes. But like we're going to find a way to make it work and we'll make it more flexible so you can be successful within your role. But we're also going to remove risk from the organization. Um, you know, I'll give a great example, like having access to things like ServiceNow or, or, or Jira or Confluence or, or something like or Zendesk. Right. So people can do their job and be able to check on tickets or status updates or things for the phone might be totally acceptable for an organization. Right. Uh, being able to have access to AWS. Uh, you know, and remotely logging in uh, to a staging environment uh, might totally not be right. So right. Uh, nuanced conversations happen across the board, but I think there's a much higher level of receptiveness uh, towards a certain level of BYOD that hasn't existed in the past. What, because, um, I mean, you know, Kanji is an Apple device uh, MDM. Yep. And and how do you play alongside? I mean, or with other MDM solutions, if if an organization has you know a, a mix between uh, you know Windows devices and and um, Apple, how do you manage that? Yeah, absolutely. I think our our goal is to be the world's best um, Apple you know MDM solution. So really, Mac OS is our bread and butter. And as we're seeing this growth and transformation within the corporate world, right, we're seeing more and more on a daily basis. Um, you know, corporations and big technology companies adopt uh, Apple devices as a whole. I think there was a statistic that said by 2024, 34% of the Fortune 500 will at least have a 51% uh, Mac OS blueprint, which means that, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I think the big push of behind this has been technology organization. Is that, is that when you say Mac OS, is that primarily phones or is it also... Um... I, I, I maybe I said that wrong. I, I, are are we talking? You're yeah. talking about uh, what am I looking at here? <laughs> uh, laptops? Or are we talking a mix or everything? 
No, we're talking laptops. We're just talking okay. about um, we're the talking Mac about OS. Mac, yeah. Mac, 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 not Mac iOS, Mac. just the not Mac iOS. OS. Yeah. Okay, wow, that's impressive. Yeah. yeah. If you if you look historically, um, I'm just I haven't worked in an organization uh, that did not primarily uh, use uh, Apple laptops in over 10 years. Um, all modern, you know, uh, technology organizations. I think it started just with the ones that were, you know, developer centric. Most developers want to use um, MacBooks, um, and so most technology organizations uh, have a majority uh, Mac OS footprint. And so I think as those companies, I can I can name I can think of one technology company that doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> they're here. They're here in Redmond, Washington. <laughs> yeah. No, a, a, absolutely. Uh, again. I think if you if you I think there were statistics around uh, privately owned companies. So we're going to say anywhere from seed, you know, to series, sure. you know, F or whatever, um, that the overall landscape within, you know, modern, you know, pre IPO technology companies is something like 80 uh, percent use MacBooks. Uh, and when those companies IPO and they're super high growth and, you know, companies like, you know, um, I mean, you, you name it. Uh, look at some of the big ones uh, in recent history, like Snowflake or like. Um, you know, um, Sentinel One, right? Like, our, so we're watching these companies now that are going effectively growing in to the Fortune 500, and they're taking uh, their device of choice, uh, which is Apple MacBooks, with them. So we're watching this huge, you know, transformation and convergence up market. Um, and I, I honestly do think um, that MacBooks uh, for organizations are. Uh, are, are inherently, um, you know, more secure by default. Apple is a security-first organization who built out frameworks. Obviously, uh, part of that is that it's less part of the market share, so there's less active malware that's developed toward and things like that. Um, but also um, that it's easier to manage, uh, it's more cost-effective long-term, and so we're watching this transformation across organizations. And so I think for us, uh, it doesn't matter what other devices that an organization has. We want to make sure that their uh, Apple devices are covered and that they can have uh, the best and easiest possible outcomes as far as managing their fleet and having real, uh, you know, time uh, insights into uh, how they're being used and how to effectively manage them uh, in, a, in, a, in a better capacity. So what would you say? I mean, that all makes sense. And, and actually, I'm, I'm kind of I was initially very surprised by the uh, the numbers. But it totally makes sense in terms of technology companies are the fast growing companies um, and most technology companies, they start off with with developers who want to be on their MacBooks. Right. And I, I, I get that. Um, but what would you say to a customer that says, hey, you know, uh, we've got this Microsoft Intune with autopilot, which allows us to effectively manage both types of devices. Um, obviously, obviously, it's probably more mature with Windows devices, but w what's your discussion in terms of like, you know what, maybe maybe you, you need um, something a little bit more focused or specialized. Um, how does that go? Yeah, uh, and this is, this, is, this is a great use case. So I have a very close friend who's a security leader uh, at a pretty cool uh, yeah, healthcare uh, startup. And this healthcare startup uh, is effectively all executives uh, from from Microsoft. So uh, their entire stack is in Azure. Uh, most of uh, their their footprint is actually you know Windows based devices. But they have a good percentage. You know probably about one third of their laptops uh, are Mac OS. And you know I had some conversations uh, with this good friend of mine. We're having you know you know just some some general friendly banter. 
And, you know, he lets me know that, hey, like our RIT organization is seriously looking at Kanji. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. Like, I know that you're heavy in, you know, Microsoft, your executive leadership team is ex Microsoft. You know, I know that you use, you know, Microsoft Intune, you told me, like, can, can you tell me uh, what it is uh, that makes Kanji compelling for you? And it's like, yeah, so here we believe that we use the best tool for the job, regardless of what that tool is. And so, yes, we do believe that Intune is the best for Windows devices, uh, but there are shortcomings that we experience with Mac OS. And if Kanji is the best tool for the job, then that means we need to use that as well. So they onboarded us, uh, you know, about six months ago. So far, I've heard nothing but glowing reviews. They're very happy with the value that we provide to that certain segment of devices within the organization. Uh, and um, Great organizations want to use the best tools for the best job, uh, regardless of uh, you know what their their ideologies might be as far as uh, you know technology in the world. So um, yes, we 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 most definitely uh, play play nicely in the ecosystem uh, with with other um, device management solutions. Awesome, I think that's a great example. Let me ask you. Let's take a step back. Um, if you know, you had to give one piece of advice to uh, a new CISO, what would it be? <sighs> Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, no, um, Over-index on visibility. You can't secure what you're unaware of, right? So even if uh, within your, if you're within the, the life cycle of your first three, six, nine months, you feel like, you know, you're taking, um, you know, an incredibly large amount of time to be able to make sure that you can have a full view of your organization, uh, the value is going to be exponential going forward, right? Because it's always those things that we don't have insight to, it's always the processes that we were unaware of. It's always, you know, the shadow IT that, uh, that uh, we were uninformed of that leads to significant risk and problems uh, down the road. And as you're going through these visibility exercises, like be, be unrelenting with filling out your, your risk register. Make sure that if you see something, you identify it, you're adding it, you're having active conversations around it as you proceed forward. Um, but I really think, again, you can't manage the risk if you're unaware of the risk. And that really means having candid conversations uh, with other parts of your organization, uh, being um, open and friendly and making partnerships across the board. So when people do encounter something, they feel comfortable bringing it to you and having conversations around it, because that's really the, the key uh, to the role is building relationships that have long-term lasting positive impact on reducing the risk of, for the organization. I think that's some awesome advice. Um, let me just ask a, one follow-up question down there. Do you, you know, this process of, of, of discovery, is this a, a manual process driven by conversations or are there any tools, you know, network scans, et cetera, that you can use to kind of give you some, some insights? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it's, I think it's a mixture of both. I think um, there's a lot of things that tools can't identify that you have, uh, you know, conversations are, are, are required. I think they're, in most organizations, you have people who have a lot of legacy and historical knowledge about how things happen, processes, and you know certain um, you know intricate uh, points within the business. And I think uncovering a lot of those things happens just through the natural process uh, of conversation, of collaboration. Uh, but I think there are some tools uh, that are essential. Um, I, I definitely have a, a a set of tools and. A set of relationships that I feel very strongly about because they they solve problems and things that I've been able to actively contribute to as far as from a, a product perspective. Um, so on the cloud-based asset side, one of the things that helps me sleep better at night is lace work, 
so Lacework is a cloud observability tool and platform. So basically what they do is indicate and alert you on anomalous activity that might be taking uh, place across your assets uh, based on creating a baseline of activity. They also allow you to manage uh, your, your, your vulnerabilities and uh, configurations across the board. It's extremely helpful and useful. Um, obviously, uh, another thing that is uh, extremely essential uh, is being able to understand your data, data classifications, data workflows, implications across you know, a uh, data governance standpoint as far as any implications as far as, you know, GDPR, CCPA, things of that nature. So uh, I'm a very big fan of a tool called Satori. Satori Cyber helps you effectively uh, manage uh, and identify uh, all of your different data classes. And then it allows you to create workflows to provision access to users across your data fabric, something like Snowflake or Databricks or uh, Amazon Redshift two different user segments within your environment. So let's say that you're a business analyst and you need access to something that has GDPR implications. So what it will do is it'll automatically provide you that access while scrubbing any non-essential data that removes any of the implications of you uh, having access to it. So it's basically a data enablement tool and a data tagging and structuring tool. Uh, it's been something that's been a game changer for me. I've been using it for the last three years. Um, it's a great team. I think it's really revolutionizing, uh, you know, the the data operations and data security space. That's some 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 great advice. I, I'm just kind of reflecting back on this relatively short conversation. I think we're about 35 minutes in, and you've already shared a lot of valuable information and best practices for for CISOs out there. So thank you for that. Hey, Heim, um, last question. Any, any, uh, if, if if anybody wants to get any additional information for you, obviously they can go to your website. Um, do you are any plans for uh, any industry events, anything like that coming up uh, in 2022? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Kanji is going to be uh, at Black Hat in Las Vegas this year mm-hmm. uh, in August, uh, and I will be there as well. Uh, and I will also be at uh, DefCon this year as usual, and so. Uh, we'll be hosting some parties and some events and some things like that. So, um, you know, I'd love for people to come say hi and, uh, you know, have some have some interesting conversations. Awesome. Well, hey, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Like I said, there's a ton of useful information there. Thanks so much for your time, Hein. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance.